hold on to what Grant said about resolutions because I think Ephesians, not just today, but as we go through it, it will provide a foundation for you to consider making some spiritual resolution. I think it's most fitting that we're starting a new book, particularly Ephesians, um, at the start of our brand new year, 2021, uh, because I, I really like the way that Paul starts out this letter. And I think this letter, I want to have it wash over you. Peace and grace to you. Peace and grace to you in 2021 and beyond. Peace and grace to you. I think what we're going to discover uh, um, is that this is already yours. Peace and grace. It's now up to us to actualize it. To realize it. And I think... uh, Paul, and we're going to see, he's going to talk about spiritual blessings. And I think as we delve into, uh, jump into these spiritual blessings and start to get our hands on them, start to comprehend them, start to uh, uh, ask ourselves uh, to assimilate them, what they mean to me, a byproduct, and it's a byproduct, will be grace and peace. To you. So this morning, I'm just going to introduce the book here of Ephesians. And three things I want to accomplish this morning. First, we're going to give you just a framework of this book of Ephesians. But I'm going to give the framework really a little bit later as we're talking about spiritual blessings. I want to introduce this idea of spiritual blessings that if you are in Christ, you have. And then the last thing is this idea, uh, how to utilize uh, these spiritual blessings. How to utilize them in a way that they're just not a mental gymnastics alone in my brain, but they are actually something that gets assimilated in my life and starts working themselves out. So first, just a little background on this letter to Ephesians that we're dealing with. The first one, just notice the authority that Paul establishes for himself when he says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by by the will of God. Not by a church council, not by a congregational vote, not by somebody liking me, Whatever human system you devise by way you try to discern the will of God, this is directly the will of God. And it speaks really to the authority that Paul is uh, presenting these words in Ephesians. And then he tells us in uh, this part of uh, verse 1, to the saints in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus. To the saints in Ephesus. Now, Ephesus is not listed in the oldest manuscripts of this letter. It's not there. Some people conjecture it got put there because this is where the letter originated. 
But they believed this was a letter that was meant to be what they would call circular. It meant to travel throughout all the churches, the established churches of Asia Minor at that time. It's unlike some of the other letters like Galatians where Paul is contending against the legalizers, the legalizers, uh, those who are trying to uh, create a bondage to the law and he's pronouncing freedom or 1 Corinthians where there's conflict. Ephesians is really uh, the go-to letter when people are trying to establish a church for the foundation that God's designed for how they are to operate this book that is universal for all churches. Ephesians. Then he gives this great and glorious grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 3 says, Blessed, blessed be to the God. Some of your versions might, like mine, which I believe here is NIV, is praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ in every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. What does this word blessing and bless mean? It's eugalatius. That's the Greek. Um, and it means uh, good. It's, it's where we get the English word eulogy. A eulogy is when you come to that memorial or that funeral and we have that time where we're reciting the good things that we remember about this person. Not the bad things. The good things. Where we speak well of them. What this is telling us when he mentions in verse 3, praise be to God that God is good, and out of his being, his nature, he has graciously pulled back the curtain to reveal this part of his character. He is the one that establishes this whole category of what good is. It is saying we would not even have a concept or a category of good if it did not originate from the being of God. Now, not all people acknowledge it, but all people, Christian or not, they acknowledge this category of good. They just don't know who to attribute it to. God is good. Matthew 19, 17 says, there is none that is good but God. We're all a mixed bag. Thankfully, when it comes to a eulogy of Ed Sutter, I trust it will be good. That's not to say there was bad things along the way. God's not like that. God is only good. Our spiritual blessings then come from this person who is blessed, who these blessings, these spiritual blessings for us originate out of this character, this being, God. Three things I want us to observe here in verse uh, 3 about these blessings, these spiritual blessings. The first, um, the first one, these blessings that Paul talks about are of a different planet. 
See, we talk about blessings, secular talk about blessings. Over Christmas, I was watching uh, at the end of a basketball game, and they were interviewing one player, and this player said, well, I don't uh, celebrate Christmas, but for all of you at home, uh, Merry Christmas. And then a little bit later, he said, I've really been blessed with this ability to play basketball. You know, he didn't say, uh, you know, I got this ability only from uh, 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 my diet and my exercise, my discipline, my workouts. Uh, uh, certainly that contributed, but what was upper in his mind was he was blessed with it. So again, we throw this word uh, out, uh, blessing, only to speak in regards to, you know, I, I've acquired something of this earth that I categorize as good, and I'm, I would assume they're probably saying they're thankful for. But when we talk about blessings, especially here in Ephesians, we are talking about a different planet. You know, we use blessings, you know, I've been blessed with my house, I've been blessed with my job, I've been blessed with my family, and all of those are true, and we can use blessing that way. But here, we're talking about a different kind of blessing. It's of a different planet. It tells us in this verse, they are in Christ, and they are in the heavenly realm. Huh. The other thing we see in this passage of Scripture, he has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in, in the heavenly realms. Okay, what I want to make here, who has blessed us, back to verse 3, praise be to God the Father of the Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed. This is in the past tense. This is already done. You've already been blessed spiritually, in the heavenly realms. And then it goes on to say, not only is it already yours, if you are in Christ, if you receive Jesus Christ as your Savior, it's already done in the heavenly realms with every, with every spiritual blessing. Not just 50% of them. Not just a ratio of blessings in accordance with your behavior. This teaches us that when you are in Christ, you have every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realm. Colossians 3.2 tells us, If then you have been raised with Christ, past tense, it's already been done. If you've been raised with Christ, then seek the things that are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on the things that are above, not on the things of the earth. For you have died, past tense, and your life is hidden in the heavenly realm, in Christ, in God. You see, these transactions on your behalf are done. They're completed. They're not future. They've been done. 
actual transactions again in the heavenly realms. It's not just talking about mental blessings, only that might get confined into our mind, and it's not, and not just an abstract or a concept, but these are uh, operations that are happening in this realm, what we call the heavenly realm, and that you are a recipient of these blessings. He blesses us with all that is possible to dispense to us through the Spirit of God. Now, maybe you, like I, as I was uh, studying this, I, I asked myself, well, why do I live unaware or not value these spiritual blessings? How can I realize these blessings now? Several years ago, I was looking for something rummaging around in our attic at our house, and I came across this box. This box down here on the ground uh, represents that box. This is not the same one, but on this box, it was, there was black markings that said, Ed and Connie's wedding gifts. And I thought, you know, just a couple of years ago, we've been married, uh, that I was rummaging around. <laughs> not that we got married. I better put my water over here so it doesn't get knocked off. But, you know, so, um, you know, so it's probably been like 43 years back when I actually uh, was rummaging around and I saw this uh, Ed and Connie's wedding uh, gifts. My goodness, what are they? I don't remember missing anything. I, you know, what could it be? And so I opened it up and uh, I can't even remember now, but I do remember this one item that was in there. And I pulled it out, and it was another box, of course. And um, on this box, it said, a cheese and cracker tray. And, you know, of course, I looked in. I could tell it was never taken out, never taken out, never saw the light of day. It never made it in active duty. It was only uh, stored there on our shelf, and to this day, it's still in all the packaging. Whoop, other than uh, it's upside down. It's upside down. Let's, uh, uh, hey, I'll let you uh, be with me introducing it to light for the first time here. There it is. Uh, yeah, you know. You know, I'm sorry if you came over and we were serving you cheese and crackers and we just used a paper plate or, or, or everyday kitchenware when this was already given to us. It was ours to be used. But it just stayed in a box in the attic. That made me think of spiritual blessings that are ours already. That are meant to be utilized. These spiritual blessings, we tend to store them in boxes in the attics of our mind and we forget about them. Spiritually, we live like paupers when we are children of the King. 
myself included. So what are they? This now is kind of the framework of, of Ephesians. Chapters 1 through 3 really is what I would call the inventory of these spiritual blessings. Some would say it's our riches that we have in Jesus Christ. In the heavenly realm. Chapters 4 through 6 is really these spiritual blessings in action. God intends these spiritual blessings not to be stored in the attic of your mind, but to be put into use now, today. Our spiritual blessings are to impact all our relationships in the church, in the home, at work, school, store, playground. It actually becomes, sort of speaking, the air you breathe and becomes who you are. Ephesians will te teach us that we have these untapped resources in boxes in the attic of our mind. But when we get to the practical application, the inventory is okay. But when we get to the practical application to actually take it out and understand how God designed us to use it, when we get to Ephesians chapter 4 through 6, when it starts talking about relationships, husband with wife, with co-workers, employees, friends, neighbors, we might realize we want to forget them. We may want to just keep them in the boxes, in the attic, because of the implications it may have with what it reveals about myself. Maybe my ability, if I brought this out, this spiritual blessing out, I may not be able to use uh, ignorance as a means to justify my behavior. You know, Ephesians kind of reminded me of my woodworking books, who I'm a real novice at. Uh, you know, so I, I get a book and I want to learn some new skill. Uh, and the first three chapters or the first part of the book will kind of introduce terminology, glossary, uh, uh, um, concepts. And then you get to the second part. And then it's application. Uh, actually, okay, we want you to practice some of the things that we talked about. The projects demand Ephesians 4 through 6, like my woodworking books, demand that I assimilate the concepts, the terms, into my thinking by requiring action, where we're taking knowledge and we begin to understand, and it becomes assimilated into our life and become part of us. So we're just going to look at the one spiritual blessing in um, four through six here of what we call election. The very first part of verse four, we get this word election. We often call it election there in my text. It says, for he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. He chose us. He chose us in Him before 
the foundation of the world. Now, I think we all know what being chosen is like. Uh, generally, at least I'm thinking of a positive term, not chosen for a bad reason. Like, Ed, you're chosen to go to the principal's office. Uh, uh, but I, I guess that really would, that, no, never mind. That's a bad analogy. <laughs> it does. We look at being chosen as a positive. I think, um, you know, we're chosen on the playground to be on a certain team. Usually it's because of your physical ability, you know, how fast you are, how far you can hit a, a baseball or how hard you can hit the soccer ball. You're chosen in a job interview, probably, who knows, answering some questions uh, well. Chosen by the person you are dating. Well, who knows why they would choose you. Um, charm, looks, personality, humor, discipline. Maybe they chose you because of love, uh, you know. They chose, um, we uh, chosen to be acknowledged, say, your work, and you got an award at work, and you've been chosen, uh, honored, or recognized for your work, probably because of some skills and effort. But let the notion here settle down over you. You are chosen by the God of the universe, even before the foundation of the world. You were chosen. You were chosen before you could do anything. You weren't even a thought in your own mind, let alone your mom and dad's. You were chosen. Now again, we're speaking of a different realm. A heavenly realm. You were chosen. God chose you. Election is a spiritual blessing because I've been chosen. God chose me before the foundation of the world. And he chose me in such a way, before I could do anything, before I could demonstrate to him how much I appreciate it, he chose me just so that I would be drawn to him. What a blessing this is. He didn't choose me because my charm, my looks, my personality, my humor. He didn't choose me because of how self-disciplined I am. He chose me. It tells us for his glorious grace. God chose you. He makes much about us. Understanding election that God chose us makes God beautiful because it's all due to him and his character, his love, his grace, that glorious grace. Verse 5, you'll see there, to the praise of his glorious grace. There's no other way but to exalt or to raise up God that it can be done. Otherwise, if it was based on anything I do, there would be self-glorification in it. This grace, understanding uh, election that God chooses, attracts people to him. 
Some people criticize God for this. That he might be an egomaniac that God is choosing. And, you know, if God alone, yeah, this statement, um, I probably need to credit this to John Piper. Now, I didn't put his name down here because, you know, I've listened to enough of John Piper and read, uh, uh, but I didn't go back to his text to make sure I got it word for word. But if God alone is the only one who can truly satisfy the longing of the human heart, then God making himself look good to draw people to him is the most loving thing he can do. Because we will do everything in our own power to figure it out on our own. God did not leave that option out there for us. Because he knows what we desire most is an eternal purpose, a destiny that is, uh, transcends this human life. And it's only possible about this God because he alone is perfect. No other creature, no other person could this be said about because God is perfect. Now it's time to take this spiritual blessing of election out of the box of the attic of your mind and let it shape your behavior now. The spiritual blessing, though, raises a lot of questions. How could this be fair? If God chooses some for himself, then it would seem at the same time God is not choosing others. How can this be fair? It's a good question. It's a hard question. And so Jake will answer it next Sunday. <laughs> we, we joked about this. We're going to be coming to Actually, I think it was Matt that was, no. Um, or Debbie. Debbie probably has a lot to say about this. Um, uh, uh, we, we jokingly talked about passing the buck. But I want to give my perspective and respond to this. Uh, three things that come to my mind. First, we don't need to feel we have not, I say we have not defended the faith when we say, I don't know. That's an appropriate answer. I don't know. It's a great defense of the faith sometimes when we're trying to explain something that is of that heavenly realm that is of a different planet, and we are confined to the restraints of our vocabulary that, uh, you know, we devise over time. It's a great defense because it's also, if I understood everything about God, then God is not God any longer. If I understand everything about God, then God is not God any longer. Trinity, eternity, when I talked about the incomprehensibility of God, we, we realize we come to this brink and we can't go beyond because of our limitations. 
But at the same time, let me tell you what the Bible is clear about regarding election. It's not either or. It's not either or. It's both. Now, how could that be? You know, our cultural bias, you know, is to put things in category. You know, some say this is the byproduct of the enlightenment and the exalting of reason. And only if I can understand it, is it true? Reason tells me that either God chose or individual chooses, but you can't have both. Why not? Why not both? Yeah, maybe certainly from an earthly perspective, uh, but I think you can even uh, explore some uh, responses to that. But we are talking about a a heavenly commodity, a heavenly product. We are trying to understand from an earthly perspective when we are told that these uh, blessings such as election are transacted in the heavenlies uh, before, before the foundation of the world was created. The realm of heaven is real, but it's so different. We try to project our earthly understanding onto it, but we are, are left a little bit short in understanding. I assume there are a host of categories that from an earthly perspective we cannot understand. From the heavenly realm in Christ, I believe one day we will look back and say, it makes sense. It all depends if you're looking at it from an earthly or heavenly perspective. In Scripture, the other thing Scripture is clear about is that God's choosing never voids man's and women's responsibility. It doesn't. God chooses and man is responsible at the same time. One does not dismiss the other. I like the the story. I don't know where it originated. Some say Spurgeon. I'm not sure. But, you know, from an earthly perspective, looking at the gates of heaven, there's a sign over the the, uh, door um, archway, and it says, Whosoever will may come. And you walk into heaven, and now you're looking at it from a heaven perspective, and you look back, and it says, From the foundation of the world, you were chosen. You have the perspective from earth outside the gates of heaven, whosoever will, and from inside heaven, the perspective that God has chosen. The Bible affirms human responsibility right alongside this doctrine of being chosen by God since the foundation over the earth. um, Yeah. Moreover, the offer of mercy in the gospel is extended to all. Isaiah and Revelations call, whosoever will may be saved. Isaiah 45.22, Acts 17.30 commands all men to turn to God and repent and be saved. 
1 Timothy 2.4, 2 Peter 3.9 tell us that God is not willing that any should perish, but that desire that all should be saved. Finally, the Lord Jesus said that the one who comes to me, I will certainly not cast out. Um, a lot of people go to this event in the life of uh, Paul, you know, who's teaching this, this letter from Ephesians, Acts 27, as a, a, a live example of, of this interplay between these two that, that feels like they are conflicted from our perspective, but from a heavenly, it, it's not. And uh, they are on a ship. Paul is under custody. He's going back to Caesar, and there is a storm. And the men that are with him, part of his uh, um, followers, are scared for their life. The storm is so violent there in Acts 27. They're fearing for their life. They are jettisoning a lot of the cargo to try to help the ship uh, get through the storm. And an angel appears to Paul and tells him that God has granted you the lives of all your people who are sailing with you. You will be safe. And he announces this. You don't have to be afraid. Uh, an angel of the Lord came to me, and we're all going to be saved. But then just a little bit later, they are finding this storm continues, and they're now getting closer to the shore and they are afraid they're going to be shipwrecked, run ashore, and they're ready to jump off the ship into these uh, lifeboats. And so Paul tells them, even though the angel said, this is what's going to happen. 27, 31, unless these men remain with the ship, you cannot be saved. So God has chosen to save them, and yet they have a responsibility. God chooses. Is a blessed a blessing, a spiritual blessing, uh, that you need to let it seek into the depths uh, to take you out of that works orientation to try to gain something. You know, we constantly talk about. Uh, trying to acquire uh, something, you know, via uh, Christian uh, work and lend election counter leverage against that. Now turn with me to Ephesians 4, and this is where we end. Um, so again, the first three chapters, the first three chapters are really this inventory of these spiritual blessings that are ours in Christ in heavenly realm if you responded to Jesus Christ. And if you haven't, and you uh, there, uh, um, um, we invite you to receive Christ as your Savior. It does demand what uh, the, the difficulty is a surrender. It demands your surrendering. But that's uh, what we want you to uh, do. Uh, and so call, you know, any one of the staff or one of your Christian brothers or sisters. Um, but anyway, 
and this is kind of the, the theme that we gave this whole section of Ephi, uh, the book, the, this series, Ephesians, uh, walking worthily, walking worthily as a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you, in light of the spiritual blessings that are already yours, in light of your spiritual blessings, um, all of them, everyone in Christ, in the heavenly realm, in light of them, walk in a worthy manner of the calling you have received. So, when I think about this election, what came to my mind, does God want me? Does God want you to choose others to lavish grace your grace. Does God want you to lavish grace on others regardless of their merit? Um, together, let's roll up our sleeves. Identifying spiritual blessings. Let's uh, recognize some that we just conveniently we'd rather just have stored in the attics of our mind because of the implications that, man, if God has bestowed that kind of grace that he chose me before I did anything, God, does that mean I have to bestow that kind of grace on others? Hmm. Am I willing? That's how we walk worthily. Do it for the sole purpose there in um, Ephesians 1.5 towards the end where it says, for his glorious grace. Make that your motivating factor. Motivation. For his glorious grace. The byproduct you get grace and peace. Grace and peace to you. Let's pray. Father, God, um, we've gotten so caught up in this world. I've gotten so caught up in this world, God. Uh, it's hard not to. You know, help us to find that, that balance between enjoying the things uh, of this world that you created that are tools of yours and we are to engage in, in this earth and in, in this life, but not at the expense of forgetting this heavenly realm and not at the expense of... Uh, putting spiritual blessings in boxes and storing them in the attic of our mind. So may Ephesians come alive for us. May it quicken us, Lord. May you, over the first three chapters, massage and groom us to prepare us for what you want to do four through six. That we would have the courage to do that work that you call us to of surrender. 
thank you, Lord, that we can even know grace and peace. In Christ's name, amen.